everyone, this is Austin Schur here with We Write About Music, and today I'm speaking with Brandon Bing. He has just shared his awesome new single titled Far Away Soldier, and I am super excited to talk to him all about it. Brandon, thank you so much for coming on today. How are you doing? I'm good, brother. How are you doing? Appreciate you having me on, Austin. You're very welcome, and I wish you a happy Thanksgiving the day before rec <laughs> recording this at the moment. But uh, <laughs> yeah, man, uh, you know, I want to hop right into it here. Usually, uh, you know, I want to I want to talk all about the song, but I really want to focus on the songwriting just to kind of kick okay. things off because the songwriting is fantastic. I'd love for you that. to give a background on the song and what it means to you and what it's really all about. Yeah, so um, basically um, I was working with, um, I had a, a meeting with a gentleman by the name of uh, Bob Crumroy, and um, he works with, um, you know, Richard Petty and uh, NASCAR Foundation. Sure. Uh, Richard and him, they, uh, they're big advocates for a, um, a, a foundation called Bikes for Kids. So they go around basically, you know, what Bikes for Kids is, is it's a, um, you know, it's a uh, youth-based, you know, foundation in like elementary schools. Uh, they work with Title I schools, you know, low-income uh, students that, you know, basically get like a free lunch or they might yeah. only get – the only meal that they might get might just be the meal that they get at the school um, for, you know, a multitude of reasons, you know, whether it's just low-income in the household, uh, they might have a single-family home or, you know, family member that's either, you know, deceased or, or um, incarcerated, unfortunately. So a lot of those factors, I guess, play, you know, a pivotal role on you know the upbringing of these these students um and it's pretty much in the age group where they're where this uh, program is focused is between third and fifth grade um the way it was really you know brought to me was you know uh i have a solar company down here in uh, florida and uh they had mentioned to me about you know sponsorship where you know uh, local small businesses get together and they they've uh, put up money to, you know, help uh, buy bicycles. And so I was trying to understand, you know, the purpose of it. Um, but basically, as these, they do an essay, you know, competition. And for example, like this, you know, so you had, you know, uh, 10 third grade classes and each third grade class had, you know, 30 students just for, for easy math, right? So you had 300 of these um, third grade, you know, students. They would do an essay over a topic based off of, you know, the, the book that gets, you know, put out and um, answering a, a variety of questions. And then, of course, one of the students is going to win the competition. So you would, you know, generally think they're going to get, you know, a certificate award, you know, and uh, get rewarded with a bicycle. But the way that this uh, Bikes for Kids Foundation is working is like youth development. So they find that you know, a lot of these students that come from these oppressed backgrounds, um, they don't get a lot of, you know, guidance. You know, they have certain yeah. tools and resources that are limited, right? And so by having small businesses and, and um, other, you know, celebrities and things like that in different industries come together uh, for this cause, um, they raise awareness on equality amongst them so that these students as they're developing know that they're all equal. So it's, you know, instead of one student getting a bicycle and winning an essay, what happens is these sponsorships uh, that these businesses put up help accommodate the cost of buying bicycles for all 300 students in this scenario oh, that nice. I'm giving you, right? So, you know, the one will, will win the, the competition. Um, however, after that child gets the bike, the, you know, then they do a presentation on the stage and they lift up like a curtain and there's, you know, you know, for example, there'd be like 300 bikes 
the same color bike, the same bike. And the reason why they do the, the same bike, the same color bike and everything is so that it's not like, you know, oh, Susie got this and Johnny got that and Billy got this. It's not like a, uh, you know, I'm better than you thing. It's just we're all got the same bike. You know, we all got bikes. And um, yeah, so it's called Bikes for Kids. And um, the new book is the Faraway Soldier book, um, which was the one that just, you know, uh, recently released um, the last few weeks. And, uh, you know, about a year ago, I uh, had the opportunity or a little bit over a year ago, had the opportunity where they reached out and asked me to write the song, you know, for the book. Um, so, you know, I read it and um, got a chance to, it was a different perspective, you know, cause uh, I had to take myself out of an adult mind sure. and put myself in a child's mind uh, from the perspective of a child whose, you know, father or mother was, in this case, the book was about a father, but, you know, whether it's father or mother, you know, deployed overseas in a, in a war effort or, you know, just being deployed, period, you know, not knowing whether or not that, that family member is going to, you know, that parent's going to come home, um, whether they're going to come home or not. And so it was kind of uh, definitely a different angle. To say a, lot the least of, in my, a lot of responsibility on your end. Yeah. And, and I think we're, I think, I think that's why I was so excited about it, you know, sure. Um, because it gave me an opportunity to kind of like go outside the box. It gave me a chance to not be so focused on the general things that interest me um, that, that I want to write about. Uh, you know, I have a lot of family members and, and uh, friends that are active or uh, retired veterans, a lot of customers that are disabled or retired veterans. Um, so the military is a big deal to me in general. Um, and I think that's what made it a little bit easier to relate to going through the songwriting process was just understanding what that background's like and being amongst it, you know, on a, on a regular basis. That's no, that's a fantastic background. I'm really, I'm really happy you went in depth there. And I also have mm -hmm. to say the song itself is just beautiful sounding. Like everything about it. it is crisp and clean to get the message across and it's just a really nice classic country sound. What I want to know, though, is that do you have any outside help when it comes to the production and like a backing band or like, is there anyone else involved in the process with you? Yeah. So, uh, you know, my producer, I work with Kenny Royster in Nashville uh, from Direct Image Studio. He, he's my producer. He's been working with me for three years now, going on four. Um, and, you know, he has a lot of just he's a really good ear um yeah. you know he's he's got a uh, he's a great vocal coach mm -hmm. um he had the opportunity to be a part of you know um when luke combs was on his come up he worked with him on his project for um hurricane and uh multiple other tracks you know in his beginning before he got to where he is you know so you know i had the opportunity to work with someone that's you know very seasoned and that's worked with a lot of great people and then my band that i my studio musicians are just top notch you know i got uh you know i get a chance to work I've, I've been working with them for three years as well uh blake shelton's fiddle player janae fleener she plays fiddle uh she's the one playing fiddle on the track i got uh on that particular record also you know i had um uh, adam schoenfeld which uh does all the uh guitar sessions for all of jason aldean's albums and also played on the road for a while for uh, tim mcgraw wow. um and then also had uh Tim McGraw and Faith Hill's background singer, Perry Coleman, for my harmonies. Um, 
Nick Buda did a lot of stuff for Luke and FGL and uh, Taylor Swift. He did all the drums. Uh, Dave Francis on bass. Uh, Mike Rojas was like been like four time world pianist of the year. He played keys on it. Yeah. And then I had um, Brian McKnight's ex uh, rhythm guitar player, um, John Willis. And then, um, yeah, so just having all of them come together on this song uh, was really special. They got and quite, just quite was, a star-studded cast to mm-hmm. <laughs> help back you up. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, you you gave a bit of background on how the song came about and like what it's really all about. But I want to know, how does the process start for you in terms of writing a song or even starting a song at all? Does it start with a line? Does it start with an idea at the beginning? Yeah, so I think really awesome. Like, I mean, in general... You know, I go, I try to really immerse myself in my life experiences, you know, whether it's through, you know, friendships, whether it's through relationships, whether it's through work, et cetera. And I'm always, as a songwriter, I'm always, no matter where I'm at, no matter what I'm doing, whether it's work or play, uh, I think one of the quirky things about me is I'm always paying attention to like really finite details of what's going on around my environment. If that makes sense. It does make sense. And you can hear that in the music too. There's mm-hmm. not a detail that's missed. It's very right. well thought out. Yeah. And I think that's really important because, you know, you only have like, I mean, you play a record and you have your intro. So obviously the music plays a role, yeah. but all in all, you know, um, you know, with the arrangement and the tempo and, and whatever the mood is. Right. But when it comes down to the lyrics, um, I really focus on trying to be a storyteller and, and use that craft, that art of painting detailed pictures, painting settings, like establishing the root of the setting for the for the song up front. And then, you know, where is that where is that picture? You know, where is that image of the setting going to take you? Like, I want I want the listener to get snagged in the first five to seven seconds, because if they're not yeah. caught within five, to seven, ten seconds max. You know they're gonna hit next, or you know we, we all have so, short attention spans these days. It's terrible, especially, especially with social streaming. with social media. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was gonna say with streaming and social media, like the, having it at your fingertips. Where when I was growing up, you had a you didn't have a choice. You know, like if you're listening yeah. to radio, you unless you wanted to change the station. Sure. And it, and how many stations at that time in your exactly. area, because of you know not having all the technology that we have now. Right. You only had a certain amount of reach for FM. Um, you didn't have satellite radio in the early in the nineties and early two thousands. You know, it was it was just totally different. You know what I'm you saying? Gotta hook them. Gotta hook them quick. Mm-hmm. Totally get that. Well, you've had a fairly prolific 2021. You put out an EP, you've got this single out. So it's not that you're not creating, but I also want to take a look at a few at the future. Uh, do you have anything big coming up for this next year as we begin and oh, yeah. this year? Oh, yeah. Anything that oh, you'd yeah. like to talk about or anything that you want to share? Sure. Oh, yeah. No, I, I mean, I'll tell you. You ask the questions, I'll answer them. I mean, uh, right. I cut a whole new project <clears throat> and I've made little like subtle. I mean, we're getting close to the end of the year. So it's like, right. I mean, we're still, it's still going to be a surprise when it hits, right? Sure, but sure. I'm not, I'm not going to drop dates or anything like this, but yeah. I can tell you that, um, I cut a pretty raw and, uh, you know, just uncut, just rugged project. That's this next one is just going to slap in a totally different space to the, to the listener because I, 
you know, I had to kind of be really diplomatic and and kind of be a chameleon, sure. and, for lack of a better word. Like, you know, coming in from Florida uh, to, to Nashville and, and going not just as a person trying to be an artist, but, you know, also an individual who's trying to um, really focus on, like I said earlier, you know, my craft of being a, um, a storyteller, a singer-songwriter. That's a totally different um, dynamic inside Nashville. Um, you know, if I was in like Appalachia or Big Sky out west or um, Kentucky or something like that, singer songwriter, bluegrass, like Americana, that would be a very easy um, space to establish myself, sure. you know, from the standpoint of getting visibility, right? Because that that community is, is very tight knit. So I had to draw on my, you know, my interests, my style, and figure out what was the right approach to capture listeners early on to build an audience. Because if I just came out with all the heavy stuff and all the raw stuff at the front, not that they wouldn't have been received well, but <clears throat> so much music now gets released so frequently. And now you got platforms like TikTok, which I'm I'm no good at. I'm, I mean, Same. I, 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 not that I'm not good. I just, I, number one, I haven't put the time into it. Number two, I don't understand it. I'll probably never understand it. I really don't care to understand it. I feel the um, exact same. I'm no you sure. know what I mean? It's, I mean, say, I mean, I, right. Yeah. 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 You know, I line dance a two step, but it's like, <laughs> I'm not going to sit out there and, and, sure. you know, dance to Applebee's, you know, yeah, forget <laughs> like, it. but you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm not going to be doing that type of stuff. So anyway, um, no, but I say, uh, I say that, say this, that, you know, there's so many different ways that people are constantly getting music ingested um, and pushed out constantly through all these platforms. So it's overwhelming. And so, you know, I don't want to put a project out that's going to get lost or not get any opportunity. And I kind of had a little bit of that because of the pandemic, Sure. because I dropped, you know, my first, my first song was back in 2019 which was Sunday, uh, Sunday Funday. And that was done in a home studio down in Florida um, with my guitar session instructor and, and producer, uh, Jeffrey Bowen. And so I worked with him on that. And that one did well, you know, by itself, standalone. But then it was like, all right, now, you know, you can't just keep doing this. It's not because that wasn't good. It's because if you're trying to really be an artist um, and also be a visible songwriter, you got to, people got to see progress. Yeah, and they, they also got an evolution of you. Mm -hmm. Can't be yeah, exactly. doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so that's really where that went. Um, I made the Florida man. And I'm going to, you know, probably at some point, I'll probably make a, a real like Florida man too kind of thing. Because, <laughs> <Sure>. <clears throat> because you know, a lot of people, I got a lot of, I, I'm not going to lie. I got a lot of pushback to some degree. Well, not really pushback. Just I got a lot of people at one point, they were like, you know, you called your pro project the Florida man and the music on it, you know, the, the tracks weren't really like representative of the quote unquote, the Florida man, you know? I and guess. I understood it, but I was like, you know, my purpose of it was kind of similar to what Luke did with uh, hurricane. You know, we had a bunch of hurricanes that season and the song hurricane came out, had nothing to do with a hurricane, it's but you know, per, you know what I mean? But, but it, it was just, he hit you like a hurricane, you know, yeah. but it made, it made the algorithm, it, it pushed it up. So okay. I was trying to use that, you no, know, no, no, knowing the little bit. Yeah. 
you know it's what I'm saying? Marketing. So, no, no, it's the marketing side of music. And those people that are just straight music listeners don't understand that you can't be literal all you know, like sometimes you have to throw a joke in there or you have to name things certain things that are trending and it's mm -hmm. just like that's the business side of it but you mm -hmm. know what if you want to make something in the future that more reflects the name go for it ultimately it's your music you're the mm -hmm. person putting the effort and the time into it so i say do mm -hmm. what you want as long as it makes you happy exactly and i think you know that's one of the things was i've been really fortunate that you know i don't I'm not saying I'm never, you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, against the opportunity of um, getting a song on radio, like major sure. satellite or terrestrial radio. Um, I think it'd be a cool opportunity. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, I think that it would definitely be cool to see it get spins or get a number one like that, but through, through the radio channel, but at the same time, what I've, what I've found over the last four going on five years um, is that, my music has has captured a very like cult following. Yeah. You know, so my demographic of listeners is very consistent um, between, you know, between military, between, you know, blue collar and, um, you know, farmers and rancher kind of that, that just that, that rooted, like, you know, just trade vocation kind of mindset, you know, um, where a lot of people like country now, a lot of it for the most part is like pop country as as the majority so you get people from you know a lot of city environments you get a lot of you know hipster you get a lot of that you know a lot of that kind of transient kind of traffic right where sure. me my stuff is more grassroots and um my 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 fans like that support my music um under my whole hoss nation umbrella sure. you know the men the men and women uh they 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 hard they work hard but they play hard and and they're uh what's fun about it is there's such a rowdy crowd you know yeah but like you're keeping it you know with that vintage sound and that classic yeah. sound and I, per personally speaking i hate the country pop because it's more pop than country they're tr right. trying i understand they're trying to get listeners from both genres to come in and enjoy this one thing but there's a there's a certain pureness about the music that you're making that it sort of alludes to the better versions of the past, you know, mm -hmm. not to, not to talk too much negativity of other genres, sure. but uh, I mean, I like what you're doing in the sense that you're keeping it pure and original. So I think, yeah. And I think that's, what you doing. said, it. yeah, you said a good thing there. I mean, really my thing, Austin, with it is, you know, I, I kind of, I live and die by the sword. I always want people sure. to know that Brandon Bing is always going to be authentic, you yeah. know, uh, when I do it, when it's, I'm authentic through <clears throat> the songwriting because I'm writing the songs. Uh, I'm coming up with the depths of the details of the stories. Um, I'm uncovering things that maybe might be uncomfortable in some aspects, other things. Um, it, but it's, I think it, these are, these are all, you know, each song that I write. And as I grow as a, as an artist, you know, I went from Florida man to dying breed. And you can see that, that improved, that, that, that improvement, but you can also see that shift. Uh, okay, Brandon went from the honky tonk. He was still the Texas honky tonk traditional, but he brought now he brought more edge. We're back in the woods and dying breed and Yippie Cayo, and the only two songs on the Dying Breed record, uh, you know, the EP that was um, not really representative of the rest of the body of work was Oh Josephine and You Wrote Me a Letter, and that's because in the heart of the pandemic, I had a um, a gentleman, Kelly and Josephine that reached, well, Kelly had reached out to me about his wife to write the song. 
for their 13th anniversary. And then Rebecca, the lady from the corner store up the road down here in Florida, she at the time had never met her birth mom. So she wanted something because it was her first Mother's Day. So those two songs, the dynamic was I got to, again, step out of the box like I did on Far Away Soldier to give a um, perspective from someone else's life, from someone else's walk. Sure. And, and bring that streamline to something that was a, a special moment for them. That was a monumental moment. That's only going to happen once, you know, Re, you know, Rebecca was only going to meet her mother and spend that first mother's day one time, you know, Kelly and Josephine are only going to have that 13th anniversary one time. <clears throat> so it was, it was special in that point, but, you know, back in the woods, I got to dig into my root of my hunting background and, and that experience of what it's like being in the woods with my buddies uh, and, and the fellowship when we get together after we get the kill. Um, you know, dying breed, I got to really lay into a lot of my inspirations and I brought in the ties to Texas of places that I've, you know, bucket list places I want to play and, mm. and people that inspire me as a writer or as a, as an artist, um, and talking about just the root of country music, like you were just mentioning, like where it came from its historical past, exactly. you know, the real instrumentation, the, the, you know, the, uh, the real melodies and stuff like that. And then of course, Yippee was at record where I got to again dig and and really kind of kind of call out the people that are fake that any like that aren't off that are non-authentic you know you got these you talk about pop country you talk about people in, in the cats and pop, pop country they're in pop country anybody that is singing I don't care who you are and and you know I say this I don't care if it's an interview or in person you know I say what I got to say because it's the facts you know and I tell people all the time if you don't like it then we're just not you're not meant to support me and that's cool. Like, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat something, which is anybody that's doing pop country, anybody that's doing um, R and B country, you know, like, or, or bringing R&B or, or hip hop into the dynamic of it. You know, you didn't, you couldn't make it as a pop star. You couldn't make it as a R&B star. You couldn't make it as a hip hop rapper, you know? So because you couldn't, you're like, well, Hey, this is this, this little like community, this microcosm of country music, let's add a little flavor to it and let's get all the Z generation Z and the millennials and get them on the bandwagon with the Instagram and the Facebook and the reels and the the TikTok and get them on it with these catchy dances and stuff, which is cool. It's a great, like you said, the business side. And I'll knock it because I got a lot of buddies. I got a lot of great friends that are, that are great artists in country music that are pop country artists. So I'm not knocking that aspect of it, but I am saying that a lot of it, you know, there's a lot of individuals, you know, there's exceptions to every rule, but there's a lot of them that come in to, to Nashville or trying to come into country music on the wrong pretense. I fully, you know? fully agree. They think that if they can grab 10% from this genre and 10% from other and bring them in, then they can have some sort of fan base. And it's not right. And the, how it works. Exactly. And the ones like my buddies that are in pop country, that are already major, you know, sure, like sure. That, that are that are already on that level, signed to major labels, et cetera. You know, I respect the hell out of them. Yeah. And I, I tell them, you know, they inspire me because, you know, they are great writers, you know, but but they came in and that was truly that is their authenticity. Right. But they get agitated themselves because there's people coming into their lane and it's like, yo, why are you trying to come in? I already made that. They already made that right. sound. So don't try to like duplicate what they've already done. Right. You know, uh, so. Brandon, it has been an absolute pleasure getting to talk to you. I just have to say just like a super enlightening 
experience and look on a genre that I don't often get to talk about, especially sure. because I, I love the sound of your music. Uh, I've got one more question to ask you here. And the question is, the question is basically for those that are going to listen to your music for the first time. And those are, that are basically going to discover you from this, what is an opening message that you'd like to say to them? Yeah, I would really just like to say, you know, um, if you want, you know, real rooted, if you want real music that is going to paint a picture for you and give you something that every time track by track, there's not a single track that you can't listen on, on any of my music that's out and any of the music that I have coming out that you're not going to be able to literally visualize every element of every word of every line. And if you want something that's going to be, you know, a real story, then you're going to, you're going to really enjoy that music. And, you know, I hope to, to see them at a show, have them a part of, you know, my Hoss Nation uh, movement and stuff and, you know, be a part of that community. And I'm going to bust my ass every, you know, every day, every project to bring them the best music I possibly can to be the most raw and to be the most raw, uh, authentic, uh, you know, self you know, to them, no matter whether it's this year or 20 or 30 years from now, they're never going to have to question authenticity through that process. I'm never going to change no matter what level of success I'm able to obtain. And I want them to be a part of that journey. I want them to be a part of the, their feedback and, you know, being able to engage with the songs allows me to just dig deeper in myself every time I write a new song. And the new project I got coming out that's coming out next year it's it's genuinely going to be something that's going to level up from everything that's already out. And I think it's going to be, uh, I think 2022 is going to be our year to make, to stake our claim, to let uh, country music and everybody know that we're going to be here forever. That's awesome. That's a fantastic answer. And I'm personally looking forward to what you've got coming next. Oh, yeah. um, I'm going to go ahead and plug it one more time for you, but Far Away Soldier is out. I hope everyone stops what they're doing and gives it a listen because it's a seriously fantastic song. And to also check out the rest of his music because it's totally worth your time. Brandon, I want to thank you so much again for taking the time out of your day to sit and speak and really open up about all this. It's been a total pleasure getting to speak with you. I appreciate you too, Austin, for having me on here, you know, and I uh, hope you have a good Thanksgiving with you and your family. And uh, thank you. You as hopefully well. see you at a show, you know, see you at a show or something like that. Take Have care and I'll, I'll speak with you soon. Have a great rest of your Sounds night. Sounds good. You too. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.